Good morning. Hope everybody's doing all right. How many of you had power before you came to church? A couple of people did. Yeah, several. You were lucky. Um, I woke up with power and then lost it. So um, that was that was interesting. Um, I went to the uh, doctor this week again because they like to see me every now and then. So I went to the doctor. Been battling this cold thing since before Christmas. Um, first I got antibiotic and then it just went, anyway, it doesn't matter. It takes me a while to go back. So I went back to the doctor and um, the doctor was talking to me and um, she said, uh, well, Philip, have you ever taken a steroid? And I went, <laughs> obviously, I have, right? So, so she prescribed the steroid, and the steroid is supposed to help me not cough anymore, right? It's supposed to, inflammation and all this kind of stuff, it's supposed to help me not cough. And then I realized, this is why Tom Brady never has a cold. <laughs> I'm here all week. Also this week on Facebook, um, I posted this. Dear Facebook, If my calling is to be a billionaire, then I'm failing miserably, and so are my friends. Please help, okay? I don't know if you've noticed, if you're on Facebook or not, but a bunch of my friends, what are you called to be, and a lot of them were called to be billionaires, and I just thought that was interesting. So I did it, and I'm also called to be a billionaire, and I am failing miserably. So I posted this, okay? And then I get a message from Facebook, (laughs) and it says this. When you need to raise money for something or somewhat important to you, your friends can help. Create a fundraiser on Facebook in a quick few steps. (laughs) So this afternoon, I'm going to create that billionaire and start raising money. And I promise the first $90,000 will go toward a parking lot just right out here. So so that's how how we're going to do that. So great. So good. So, a little, little fun this morning as we get started. Um, seems like this is a doctor week for me. I also went to the eye doctor uh, this week to get a checkup because I can't get new contacts unless you get the checkup. And um, I was having a little trouble come about November seeing, so it was time for me to get a new prescription and all that kind of stuff. I want to let you kind of see... Um, what I see when I go to the eye doctor, like when I take off my glasses and they start the whole deal. I want you to kind of see what I see. This is, that is it. And that's legitimately true. Um, I'm very nearsighted. I can't see things far away. And so when I'm looking, I see this stuff. The little lady, I don't know what you call them there, but they do the initial stuff. What do you call those people? Little lady's good? Great. She was little, she was short and she was little. So, um, but she's very nice. when uh, she ran me through a bunch of tests and then I went into the room and I sat down and she asked me what the first letter was. Now, I can't see the first letter. I can't see the first letter. But I told her it was a B. And she said, well, how did you do that? Because you, I know you can't see it. How do you know that that's a B? And I said, well, you always start with a B. Because what she doesn't know is that when I was little, I memorized every time I went to the doctor the eye chart so that I wouldn't have to get glasses. So they didn't catch me until seventh grade. So back then in the day, you would have E, 
right? And E would go this way, this way, this way, this way. So I just memorized the way that the E's went so I wouldn't have to get glasses. And then they started doing letters. And they only use 11 letters out of the alphabet. I don't know if you know that or not. Could be 13, but it's definitely 11. So uh, I would memorize the charts when I would go in and, and memorize it. So I told her, yeah, you always start with B. And then she clicked it. Now, what I can see in my eyes is I can see the changes in the letters as it goes. So I just counted. She clicked it five times, and I told her, oh, that's an S. She said, how do you do that? Because they're in the same order. You, you go B and S. So this lady, you know, it's no telling what she said in the break room about me when she got there, but... <laughs> But anyway, I, I started doing this, started playing with her a little bit, and um, finally we got to talking and, and all that kind of stuff, and the doctor came in, and he put, he put the little thing in front of you, you know, the little, little thing, and I, I'm assuming everybody here has gone to the eye doctor at some point, and they're, you know, they flip the little thing, and they say, is number one or two? One or two? And I think they go to a class to get that kind of rhythm, right? One or two? Better or worse? Clearer or poorer? You know, it's kind of that little breathy type of thing, dramatic type thing. So he, he's doing this, and he, um, he tells me that I no longer have to, okay, I have to back up a little bit. The context I used to have, I had to kind of just put up with the fact that long distance, I'm not gonna be able to see very well so that I could see up close because that's how they adjusted my contacts. Even though they were bifocal contacts, that's, that's what they did. What he told me this time is that he had a new, a brand new type of contacts he wanted me to try because he's always wanting me to try the contacts for some reason. And it, it actually corrects your stigmatism. So I, I have these contacts now where I don't have to worry about not seeing far away or close up. I can do both because it corrects both at the same time and I don't have to lose distance or up close. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? Now, I know some people want to live like in the past. I'm ready for the future, right? I'm ready for, I, I like this sort of stuff. So I can really see. So all of that is now clear to me. I can see the back of the room. I can, I can read up close. And it's absolutely amazing because sight is very, very, very important. I was sitting um, with a friend of mine at lunch, and he was describing something to me uh, about an individual. It wasn't gossiping, just asking me an opinion, which, you know, is gossip, I guess. But, um, <laughs> but, but the, thing, the thing I always go back to is, is like, well, you know, if I could see him, I could tell you. If I could see that person, I could, I could tell you more of what's going on because there's something different when you actually look somebody in the eye, right? And they're talking to you about an issue and how they're reacting. You can really kind of, well, I can kind of tell what's right, what's not, what's good, what's bad, what needs to happen. Sometimes I'm wrong, sometimes I'm right. But anyway, I can, I can tell. I like to see people. That's why I ask them to uh, turn up the lights in the room. I like to look at you while I'm talking to you, right? Um, they tell you in school to do this. Just find a line in the back of the room and go like this. I don't know what introvert thought that up, but, but that is not the way you do it. You, you, to see somebody and to see their eyes and to see their smiles or to see how they're reacting to a message is, is worth its weight in gold. There is something to sight. There's something to be able to see people. 
I would rather not hear than not see. I would rather not be able to talk than to not be able to see. It, seeing is extremely, extremely important to me, and I think that it's pretty important to you as well. So with that in mind, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. And before we start reading um, in verse 22, I want us all to look up at the screen and read this verse together uh, as a a whole. So, ready? Here we go. Having eyes you do not see, and having ears do you not hear, and do you not remember. So that verse sets up the story that we have here in verse 22. Now, I'm going to tell you... I'm telling you it's a story, but it's a true story. It's a historical story. This actually happened. And Jesus um, is using this particular story in a illustrative sort of way. So verse 2, verse 22, sorry, says this. And they came to Bethesda. And some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village And when he had spit on his eyes and had laid his hands on him, he asked, do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And he sent him to his home saying, do not even enter the village. This is a very unique um, miracle in Scripture, very unique. What makes it unique is that Jesus, for the very first time and the only time in Scripture, heals somebody in stages. So he spits on his eyes and he touches his eyes, and then Jesus, who has never done this before, says, What do you see? The phrase there actually can also be translated, did I fix the problem? Right? Did did what I just did and, and what you can see, did it actually fix your problem? Can you actually see? Now, here's a couple of things that we know about Jesus. He already knows that it didn't fix it. He already knows that. But he only uh, fixed it to a certain point. And so this man, he, he looks up and he says, I see people, but they look like trees. So I'm not seeing very clearly. So no, it didn't completely work. But I can at least see something that's blurry. And then Jesus touches him again. And then he's able to see clearly. Here's my question for you this morning. Is there anything that you have been able to see in the past that you are now blind to? See, this man right here knew, he knew what trees looked like. He knew what people looked like. How do we know that? He says, well, people look like trees. That's what they look like. So this guy had sight sometime in his life. 
and he lost his sight. We don't know why. Maybe he fell. Maybe he was hit on the head. Maybe he was in a war. We have no idea why this guy lost his sight, but he lost his sight and he could no longer see people. He could no longer see trees. He could no longer see anything. He was totally blind. But when Jesus touched him, all of a sudden he could see and he says, oh, I remember this. I remember this. I remember trees and, they're, and, and they were long and they had branches and stuff like that. But, but all this is blurry. It looks like people walking around and they look like trees. So he had seen stuff in the past and now he's, he's seeing again and he's given this explanation to Jesus. And the question this morning is, is there anything that you in your past have been able to see very clearly, but today you're not able to see at all? Or better yet, is there something that you're blinded to today that you used to not be blinded to? Well, Philip, how in the world did you draw that out of this passage of Scripture? Because Jesus is using this as an illustration to his disciples because they used to be able to see something that now they cannot see. In verse 18, it said what? Yeah, do you not perceive or understand at the very beginning of 18, which for some reason, oh yeah, having eyes you do not see and having ears you do not hear. He's talking to his disciples. There's something that Jesus has been showing them over and over again that you, they used to be able to see that now they can't see and it's, and it's just blurry to them. They are blinded to something. Is there anything in your life, anything that you used to be able to see that now you cannot see. So if you're like me, as soon as a speaker asks a question like that, the first thought that comes to my mind is, how do I know if I'm blinded to something? Because if I'm blinded to it, how would I know that I could see it in the past? Do you, do you understand the, shake your head, do you understand? Or maybe I just totally lost you. Maybe I've blinded you to what I'm trying to say right? Maybe you're just totally, you know, totally off or, or somehow, what in the world is he talking about? How could you know something that you're now blinded to when you're blind to it and you don't realize you're blind to it because you think you're seeing it? How, how, do, you, how do you know that? How would you know that? Well, have you ever had the spiritual sense about you that something just isn't right? Have you ever had the spiritual sense about you that you're missing something in your spiritual walk? Have you ever had a moment in, in your spiritual walk where you're like, it used to be like this over here, but now I don't, I don't have the same sense and something, something isn't there anymore and something is missing. Have you ever had a moment like that? That means that you have become blinded to something. There is something you're no longer sensing. There's something you're no, longer, you're no longer feeling. And so at that point that you feel like, man, something's missing, is the moment that you get down on your knees and you say, Lord, touch my eyes again. I'm missing something. There is something missing inside of me. I know I had it in the past. I don't know what it is that I'm missing, but I want it back. Please show my heart. Show my soul, show me from your word what it is that I can no longer see that I am blinded to. Show it to me, show it to me. 
And you continue to pray that. And I don't know how long it would take for you. Sometimes for me, it takes a while to get to, to a place where I can see again. But I always get to a place where I can see again, where God comes and he shows me what I'm missing. And then I see it with a brand new set of eyes and an amazing new clarity. It is almost like going to the eye doctor and having him flip the thing and going, number one, number two, number one, number two. And all of a sudden, some truth that I'd learned a long time ago has a brand new meaning to it because I progressed along in my faith and God has brought me to a point where he has restored where I have been blinded. Are you missing something today and you know it in the depth of your soul? Something's been missing for a very long period of time in your Christian walk and you're trying to find it again. You're trying to find that feeling. You're trying to find that, that security. You're trying to find that connection with God. Well, today is the day that you pray and you say, hey, open my eyes, Lord. I want to see that again. I want to see you. I want to see that thing that I am missing. I would submit to you this morning that most of the time, for me, or, or for people, not for me, I can't say necessarily for me, is that we, we go along and we get so used to the Christian walk and we get so used to the Bible and we get so used to things that they become like bread. You know what I mean? Like this plain bread. And, and it's, easy, it's easy to get blinded to stuff that meant something to us in the path. So, what are you not able to see? What are you not able to see? On the way here this morning, how many houses did you look at? All of them? All of them? How many of you looked at houses on the way here this morning? Me? Several? How many of you looked to see how many cars are parked in the at the houses. Does it, yeah, you did. Yeah. Yeah. I did. I left my neighborhood this morning just to see who had power and who didn't. Right? Right? Nobody had power and I was I was grateful. <laughs> I saw people walking around my neighborhood, right? And doing things in my neighborhood. I thought that was good, but I saw people. As a whole as a church, in general, I think sometimes the church as a whole loses its sight of people. I think sometimes a church as a whole, I mean, I'm kind of moving away from your personal thing now to, to the church, hope you understand that, that the church itself loses sight of actually people and what it's actually here for and what it's actually here to do. The church is a people organization. The church is made up of brothers and sisters in Christ. It's made up of people. Jesus came to the earth because people needed salvation. People needed saving. People needed to make a connection with God. So sometimes a church moves away from viewing people as being important. We, as Farmington Baptists, um, need to make sure that we never move away from this being a people organization a people environment, 
a place where we focus on people and who they are. Sometimes a church as a whole needs to continue to pray over and over again, Lord, let me see the lost people around me. Let me see their needs. Let us see how we can reach out to those lost people. With that said, I want you to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Verse 14 says this. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Jesus is talking to people that believe. Jesus is talking to us today. You and I are the light of the world of the world, you and I are. Why is that important? Because the world needs a light, right? That's awesome balancing right there. (laughs) People need a light, right? People need a light to be able to see, and you are the light of the world. And it says to let your light shine. Verse 14, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand, and it gives light in all the house. What does the world really need? Last week, we talked about the world really needs a group of people that loves, right? The world also needs a group of people that shines as light for the Lord Jesus Christ and stands for things. Light to show people that are lost how to get home, how to connect with God. Light. We are the light, and we are to shine our light before men. And we must be very good at it. We have to be very good at it. In fact, I would submit to you this morning that you and I need to shine our lights in such a way in the Farmington community that it makes it very hard for lost people to wind up in hell. that somehow or another they see Farmington Baptist Church as a place that Jesus is here and there's a light that shines and there is an answer to their difficulties, to their problems, to their sin, and they can come to a Savior and be saved. If there's anything that you and I need to focus on this next year and really be clear about, it is making sure that people around us have a very difficult time winding up in hell after they die. I think that's an amazing vision. That everybody that I meet, when they see me, when they see you, that our light is so bright that it's very difficult for them to get where they're not supposed to go. We are to shine as lights. The problem is that we have bushel baskets. Now, how many of you grew up with bushel baskets? Bushel baskets? Okay, so my bushel basket was kind of a weave bushel basket and it had holes in it. Like the green beans would fall out of it. Do you know what I mean? So when I, when I first read this, this scripture a long time ago and it said, don't put your light under a bushel, I'm thinking, well, the light can still shine out of our bushel baskets, <laughs> right? 
But this isn't quite it. This bushel basket, actually, if you covered, if you covered something up, it would be totally dark. You'd, nothing would shine outside of it. It was weaved very well. It was very sturdy, these baskets were. The problem that you and I have, or Christians have in general, is that we often drag out these bushel baskets and hide our light from the world. We're supposed to be standing, we're supposed to be shining, we're supposed to be making it very difficult for people to wind up in hell, but in in a sense, we take out these bushel baskets and we hide our light from the people that we should be shining on. So here it says, don't hide your light under a basket. People don't do that. They shine as lights. So what kind of ways do we take a bushel basket and hide our light from the people around us? First, past successes. We were successful in the past in reaching people, and so we no longer go into the future to reach people. We dwell in the past, and we, we, you know, we celebrate the past, and I think it's good to celebrate the past, but once we're stuck there, you can't shine in the future. So past successes, past successes blind us to the spiritual needs of the present. You know, when when you have a win, it is very hard to go after another win. It's very hard to do that at the same level. And so you, you you have to take the past successes, praise the Lord for them, and then chart forward for other wins. Do you know that nothing in life ever remains the same? if you leave it alone. Do you know that? Like your house, you buy this house, right? You start paying money on it, and then about six months later, what happens? Something breaks, and you have to fix it because you have to upkeep it. You have to keep going. You had a success of buying your house, but you have to keep that house up. There are some of my neighbors that like to do that with their yard. Wheat fields, you know in the neighborhood. Just never, just never mow it. You, you have to mow, you have to maintain, you have to make sure that you are not stuck in the past, but you're pushing toward to the future. A lot of people hide their light because they're talking about things that happened to them in the past and nothing is happening to them in the future because they're not charting a course to get there. They're not charting a course for another win. They're hiding their light under a bushel and li- living in the safety of successes of the past, and you just can't do that. We are to be lights, proactive lights, all the time, doing something new. Second, you hide your light when you depend on someone else to shine. A lot of Christians depend on the pastor to shine. I hope I'm shining, I pray that I'm shining, but I want to tell you, I don't shine every day of the week. Thank you. Thank you. I don't shine every day of the week. There are days I have that are bad and there's days that I have are good. Do I want to shine? Yeah, but you can't depend on me to to shine all the time. But that's not the only reason you can't depend on me to shine. I do not know the same people that you know. And I know you think I'm omnipresent but I'm not. I know you think that I can show up in a moment and just give some type of gospel message and your friend will come to know the Lord immediately because Philip Brand is the one that gave them the gospel. That does not work. I find that the best way for people to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ 
as their savior is when the church witnesses to their friends. There is something different about someone whose job isn't to give the gospel. Something about that person giving the gospel to someone else that means more than if I show up in a room. You need to shine. Do not depend on someone else to do it. Oh, my mom will do it. Don't depend on them. You are required to shine. And sometimes we put our bushel basket over because we're waiting for someone else to shine. Third, fear. Fear. We're scared to shine. We're scared about what people might might say, yeah, sure, I think that's part of it. But I think another part is that we are scared of shining the wrong way. Do you you have a fear of shining the wrong way? Um, I do. So when I say this, I am not downing a particular side of religion, but I grew up in an independent Baptist fundamental church. That's what I grew up in. And sometimes the independent Baptist fundamental churches like I grew up in, there's some people in there that shine the wrong way. Right, and, and you get scared of shining the wrong way. And when I say the wrong way, this is what I mean. They shine in such a way that people reject the shining. Now, are people gonna reject it when you, when you shine and give the gospel? Yes, but you don't have to help them reject it. You don't have to be mean about it, okay? So back up, a lot of independent churches that are absolutely incredible, so I'm not trying to, I'm just telling you where I grew up at. Okay, so, so scared of not shining correctly or you're, you're scared that maybe you don't know enough about scripture to shine and, and give the gospel. So you don't want to do the truth in a bad way. You don't want to present the truth in a bad way. You want to make sure that it's right so you kind of back up because you fear sharing and sharing the wrong thing. I'm here to tell you today that when you share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ with somebody, when you give a testimony of your salvation, how you received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, it does not depend on you to save them. And God is fully capable of taking your inadequacies and trying to share with someone and bringing them to the Lord. I'm absolutely amazed at how people come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. Through, you, you hear about these testimonies, what was said here, and then what happened here, and it's only an act and miracle of God that saves a soul. You are just required to shine to the best of your ability to give that message out. So some people put on that bushel, you know, they put on that bushel because, you know, I'm just kind of fearful of it all. Here's another one. Distractions prevent you from shining. Distractions. Um, I love technology. I do. I, I just think, I think it's incredible. I have in my vehicle a radio that shows me a map where I'm going. And if you're directionally challenged, you know how blessed you are to have that map. 
right? The screen is about this big. The map is there. It's telling me where to go. It will pop up little things that say, turn left up here. And it's much better than me doing this going down the road. <laughs> right? So, so I have this love, absolutely love technology. But I'll tell you this, technology can be a distraction to share in the gospel. It can be a distraction. I would, I would, say, I would say this as well. Not necessarily a part of the, the message, but maybe it is. I think technology is, is a distraction to relationships. The most important person that you are with, that in your life is the person that you are with. Not the person that you are texting. It's the person that's in the room. That's the most important person. If you want to shine as lights, you shine first in the room and then through text. That, that's the, oh, come on, people. We live in a generation, we live in a generation, and it's not just young, it's not just medium, it's, it's also older, that all we do is this. The moment that we can get our phone, the moment that we can look at our phone, the moment that we can look the next thing up on our phone, that's how people are living. All the while, the world and people are moving around around us, I'm not really saying this correctly, going around us and we're missing the opportunities to actually shine and connect with people that are around us with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Technology can be a distraction and I love it. I use it. I have a phone, I have an iPad, I have a computer, I have stuff in my car, I have Alexa and the government listening in on me all the time. I mean, I, I have all this stuff, love it. I, I love to play around with it, but it cannot take the place of relationships. It cannot take the place of me shining for other people. It just cannot do that. So distractions. Movies can be a distraction. Binge watching can be a distraction. There's all types of distractions that you can have that would prevent you from shining. And we get so distracted with these things, like we have to watch the next show because we're binge watching it, that we forget that really we're supposed to shine. We're taking all this time and wasting all this time with this when we really should be shining, so distractions. And then, then finally, deception. Deception. Deception is, is a basket. Well, what do you mean deception? There are some Christians that have bought into the idea that we have to use darkness in order to reach the lost. Ladies and gentlemen, we do not have to use darkness to reach the lost. And I will tell you that if you're reaching the lost with darkness, you, I'm not even gonna go there. God says for you and me to shine as pure lights Pure lights in a generation that needs to know a different. <laughs> wow. Was that me? Oh, you did it? Great. 
everybody knows I had, I'm going to tell you something. Everybody, I'm going to pause. Everybody knows I had a wreck like in July, right? I had a wreck in July. Um, it was uh, September. I had a conversation with Seth for the very first time because I was trying to pick somebody uh, just to have this conversation with. And I hadn't been the same since July. And I'm kind of, I'm almost back. But anyway, I had a conversation with Seth and it went like this. Seth, um, I just have this reoccurring thought in my mind that maybe I'm in a coma And I'm imagining all of this. So, so I start talking to them about this, right? So when that happens, so I've talked to other people. Anyway, I talked to that, and so now I'm like, oh, did I just get, okay. <laughs> it's a coma. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if you want to know where I'm at, that's where I'm at. Okay, we'll get back to it. Deception. You cannot reach people with darkness. You can't. I know, I, know, I know people try to cover it up and people try to say, well, we, we did this at the end. I, I know, but you, you can't reach people with darkness. <laughs> if you could, Jesus would not have had to come as a perfect lamb of God. He could have used anybody. If, if you could reach people with darkness, I mean, why not just leave them in darkness if darkness is just as good as light? The world needs light. The darkness has deceived them. The darkness has made them think that wrong is right. The world needs a group of people to stand as lights and shine so that they can see. That's what the world needs. And we stand. And we stand for Jesus, and we stand for the gospel, and we stand for the truth of the word. I know I've, I've, I've said this a couple of times, and it might make you uncomfortable. I, I, really don't, I really don't care about that. There are things in Scripture that Scripture tells me to do that I'm not so sure culturally that it's correct, Okay? But this is what I know. I and my flesh likes to live in darkness, and that word is the light. So if I agree with it or not, I do it because it's light. Are you, are you tracking? We have to come to some place in our faith where we say, I do not understand why God said that, but he is light and I am fallen and in darkness and I am going to go with the light and not my own reason because my own reason is in darkness. So I stand, I stand. The number one thing the church has to stand for is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is fully God fully man. Jesus Christ is the perfect lamb of God. Jesus Christ loved you enough to die on a cross to save you from the darkness. He rose the third day so that you would have life abundantly. I stand behind Jesus. Do not mess with Jesus. Don't mess with him. If you think he's Satan's brother, I am not in your family. If you think Jesus is just 
a kind-hearted and he just is gonna accept you and leave you the way that you are, that is not my Jesus. My Jesus came to save us from darkness and make us something better. And I stand behind that. And if you can't stand for Jesus, you're going to live forever in darkness, forever in darkness. So the first place that we stop is Jesus. And when I'm standing for Jesus, this is what I know. Every word of this book is Jesus Christ. The word became flesh and dwelled among us. It became flesh and bone. Do you wanna know why when you read the scripture it seems to be alive and this book over here doesn't? It's because this is Jesus. This is Jesus. It is alive. The word of God is alive. I stand by Jesus. And so if Jesus says, don't lie, don't lie, you don't lie. If Jesus says, do not commit adultery, you don't commit adultery. We don't somehow get disgruntled with the one that we married and then go out and commit adultery. We don't do it. We shine his light and we say, this is what the word of God says. You don't do it. You do not steal. The word of God says that. Somebody has to stand up and say, you do not steal. You also have to do things like this. We are supposed to love and not hate. We're supposed to be compassionate and not reject people. We're supposed to use the wisdom of the scripture to understand where people are and try to reach them to the best of our ability. That is what we're supposed to do. We shine. And every time we react in hate, every time that we react and and just want to strangle somebody is a moment that we put the bushel basket on our light and we no longer shine. Jesus, yes, he ate with sinners, prostitutes, all kinds of people that you and I would probably not hang around. But Jesus didn't spend most of his time with those people either. Jesus went to those houses and shined and then left. And whether or not they accepted him or not was up to them. Is everybody tracking with me? You and I have to shine to the best of our ability. We have to shine. So we stand by the person of Jesus and we stand in what we do. If I treat people correctly, I shine for Jesus. If I do not treat people correctly, I do not shine for Jesus. We stand in what we do and what we say. And America needs Christians to pronounce truth of the scriptures into the airways. Not in an angry way, but in a truthful way. Do you know why I, I really don't get upset with people that don't, that disagree? Wait, of the, have it, that's Baptist tongues. <laughs> Do you know why I really don't get upset with people that disagree with me concerning the Bible? It's not mine. It's not mine. 
It's not something I came up with. Now, if you go to my house and there's a Bose speaker that plays music in the foyer area and you notice that Nicole and I are having a little tat, tiff for taff over that, I'm going to be very defensive of the Bose speaker because I've decided to put that there and I like that Bose speaker there and I really like to hear my music there. Are, are you tracking? I mean, I'm going to get kind of upset with it. We have marriage problems. Okay, you're looking at me. Come on, you know, you know what I'm, I'm just using this as an example. We're not arguing about this. I'm just, I'm just telling you the Bose speaker. That might not have been the best illustration, though. Might not have been the best. But here, here's this Bose speaker, right? That's mine. That is something I'm going to defend. Here is what I do not have to do, and you don't have to do either. You do not have to defend the Word of God. It is light. You pronounce it. Jesus came up with it. So if you disagree with me about it, that's fine because you're not disagreeing with me. I'm just the messenger. And at some point in life, you and I as Christians have to just be the messenger. We just have to say, this is what the word of God says and this is how I live. You don't have to down the person that you're talking to. You don't have to degrade the person that you're talking to. You can just say, this is what the word of God says, and this is how we should live. Amen? He shine his lights. So what happens if you have a friend that, that falls by the wayside? What if you have a friend that does something that is against scripture because they've decided to live in darkness for a while? What do you do as a believer? Do you just shine and pronounce that what they did was wrong, or do you do something else? And I would submit to you this morning that you do something else. You go to that person, and in the grace and mercy that has been given to you, you show it to that person, and you help them come back to the light. We all do things that are wrong. We all do things that are in darkness. We all need the grace of not only Jesus Christ to come back to the light, but the grace of his people you shine the most when you show grace to a fallen brother that wants to come back. You shine the most. The world doesn't understand that because you're supposed to cut them off, right? You're supposed to cut these people off and never have them in your life. But when they repent and they're really trying to come back to the light, you try your best to help them back to where they need to be, which is under the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. We shine. Um, how many of you are waiting for Jesus to come back? Yeah. It'd be great. It'd be great if that happened today, actually. It'd be absolutely incredible. Do you know what Jesus is waiting on? He's waiting for a church to stand as light in a dark world. And while he's waiting to come back, he's waiting for you to stand and do your duty as light in this culture, in this community. Amen? Let's pray.